Hello everyone and welcome back to For the Love of True Crime. Before I jump into today's case, I just wanted to wish everyone, or at least my American viewers, I hope that you had a great Labor Day. I'm actually recording this audio on Labor Day and I spent my day writing this script. So I hope that you got to do something that you love to do and hopefully you got the day off and just got to relax. As always, I would like to give my usual disclaimer that I mean no harm towards any of the people I discuss in this case. These are simply my opinions or facts that I have learned about the case from the internet that I am compiling into one video. I would also like to give a quick warning that this case does involve mentions of suicide, death of a small child, very briefly, and sexual assault. So if that isn't your vibe, then please click off now. So today's case is going to be a little different from my previous videos. This one isn't necessarily a murder, rather a mysterious death. Although it's technically solved and the case was closed, there are still a lot of questions surrounding the circumstance of her death. We will be discussing the disappearance and death of Elisa Lamb and the hotel that she vanished from and died in. To begin, let me tell you about the hotel she was staying at and its dark history. This hotel is called the Cecil Hotel, and it stands in Los Angeles, California at 640 South Main Street. A few years after it opened, in December of 1924, a man named Percy Ormond Cook shot himself in the head after failing to make up with his wife after an argument. He was the first of 13 people who lost their lives while staying at the hotel. Let me quickly tell you about the other 12 people. The second person to die was in November of 1931, when a man named W.K. Norton ingested poisonous capsules at the age of 46. His death was also ruled a suicide. The third suicide took place in September of 1932, when Benjamin Dodich shot himself in the head when he was 25 years old. A maid found his body and a suicide note was never recovered. The fourth death also happened to be a suicide when Sergeant Louis D. Borden slit his own throat with a razor in 1937 at the age of 53. Several suicide notes were found in his room and he claimed that he decided to kill himself due to his poor health. Now on to number five, and the cause of this death was never determined. It was not clear if it was a suicide or an accident. A woman named Grace E. Magro, who was 25 at the time, fell from the building from her ninth-story window. She later passed away at Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. In 1938, Roy Thompson jumped from the top of the building when he was 35 years old. He had been staying at the hotel for several weeks before he ended his own life. Erwin C. Neblett was the next person to die when he ingested poison in May of 1939 when he was 39 years old. For the next death, we have another person who ingested poison and her name was Dorothy Sager. She was 49 years old at the time of her death. Alright, now I'm going to mention the small child baby death, so skip like 30 seconds ahead if you don't want to hear it. But the first murder in the hotel occurred in September of 1944 when Dorothy Jean Purcell murdered her unnamed newborn son after throwing him out the window after giving birth in the bathroom. She claimed that she thought that he was dead before she threw him, but multiple psychiatrists examined Purcell and determined that she was, quote, mentally confused at the time and she was acquitted due to insanity. This one absolutely breaks my heart and confuses me at the same time. Like, I understand that she was, quote, mentally confused, but I don't understand why she would have thrown out a baby that she thought was dead. Like, 
you don't just throw babies out windows. I don't know. Anyway, let's move on to the next death, which occurred in November of 1947, when a man named Robert Smith died after jumping out of a seventh-story window. He was 35 years old at the time of his death. Next, we have another individual who jumped from the building, and her name was Helen Gurney. She also jumped from the seventh-story window, and she was 55 years old. Then there is Julia Frances Moore, who was 50 years old when she jumped from the eighth-story window. She did not leave a suicide note. Pauline Auden is our next death, and this one actually killed an innocent bystander as well. From her ninth-story window, Auden jumped after having an intense argument with her husband and ended up landing on a pedestrian named George Giannini. Pauline was 27 years old, and George was 65. Next, we have another murder that took place at the hotel. In June of 1964, Pigeon Goldie Osgood was found dead in her room. She had been brutally raped, beaten, and stabbed in her ransacked room. A man named Jacques B. Ellinger was seen roaming around Perishing Square with bloodstained clothing and was promptly arrested and charged with Osgood's murder. But he was later cleared and released. The killer was never found. She was 65 years old at the time of her death. In December of 1975, an unidentified woman jumped from the 12th story and died when she landed on the second floor roof. 17 years passed before the next death, who was also never identified. The man was found in an alley outside the Cecil Hotel. Investigators were not able to determine whether the death was an accident, homicide, or suicide. He was approximately 20 to 30 years old. The next death happened on February 19, 2013, and the woman who died was named Elisa Lamb. I am going to go into much more detail about the circumstances of her death later on as she is the one we will be focusing on in this episode. Our 13th and final Cecil Hotel death was a man whose identity was never released to the public. In June of 2015, the 28-year-old was suspected to have fallen to his death, but the coroner's office was unable to determine anything further. So those were the 13 deaths that occurred at this Los Angeles hotel. Pretty creepy, right? Not only is this hotel a hotspot for death, it is also notorious for couples who are having affairs to frequent, drug activity, and a common ground for sex workers. Also, an infamous serial killer resided in the Cecil Hotel for a few weeks while he engaged in part of his killing spree. His name was Richard Ramirez, but he is better known as Night Stalker. He ended up getting caught and was sentenced to death for the 13 murders he committed. I don't know why 13 is such a prevalent number in this case, but it is. But if the Night Stalker case sounds interesting, let me know in the comments and I can cover it in a future video. Now let me go into detail about the 12th Cecil Hotel death and introduce her as the main focus of this video. Her name was Elisa Lamb. Elisa was born on April 30th, 1991. After her birth, her family immigrated from Hong Kong to Canada where they opened up a restaurant in Burnaby, British Columbia. For college, she went to the University of British Columbia and she had one sibling named Sarah Lamb. Elisa really blossomed when she created her online blog and Tumblr page. Here is where she discussed her battle with mental illness. When she was 21 years old, she decided to travel to California alone via Amtrak and inner city buses. On her blog, she described this trip as something to enjoy as she hadn't enjoyed her life yet, but she wanted to do it alone. Her first stop was San Diego, where she visited the famous zoo and took pictures to update her blog with. On January 26, 
Alisa arrived at the Cecil Hotel, which was rebranded as Stay on Main, to try to distance itself from the negative reputation it had. During her first two days in Los Angeles, Alisa was assigned to a share room with a couple of roommates. However, her roommates ended up complaining about Alisa's, quote, odd behavior, and she was transferred to a private room. After Elisa's parents did not hear from her after she had been in contact with them every single day since she left, they filed a missing persons report and flew out to Los Angeles to help with the searches. The staff of the hotel reported that they did in fact see Elisa, but she was alone. Police conducted a search of the hotel to the extent that they legally could. They discovered Elisa's wallet, ID, and laptop that were still in her room. Police guided dogs throughout the hotel and even the roof, but they ultimately did not pick up her smell. A week passed with no sign of Elisa, so police created a flyer with her information to put up around the city. The flyer stated that Elisa spoke both English and Cantonese, used public transportation, was mildly depressed, and that she was planning on going to Santa Cruz, California next. After two weeks passed with no sign of Elisa, the LAPD released surveillance video from the Cecil Hotel security camera in their elevator that was taken on February 1st. It was the last known footage of her location. The video ended up going extremely viral on the internet and drew in so many people with the strange behavior committed by Elisa on the film. So I'm going to describe Elisa's actions to the best of my ability, but I highly recommend that you watch the released video. I will link it in the description down below. So, Elisa casually enters the elevator wearing a red hoodie and she bends down to look closely at the buttons. She then goes on to press several of these buttons and then backs up into the corner of the elevator. She stands there for a few seconds before lunging into the exit and quickly moving her head looking left to right, as if she's making sure that someone isn't following her. She then backs up against the wall and presses herself into the corner as if she's hiding. She peeks outside the elevator again before slowly stepping out and back in a few times. She stands outside the elevator for a bit, holding her head, and then she gets back on to press several more buttons. In fact, it kind of looks like she presses all of them by the end, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. But then she exits the elevator and begins moving her hands in a very strange way. She then begins to count on her fingers and move her hands around like she's speaking with them, but no one else is seen in the footage. She then walks away from the elevator, and that is the last evidence that she was alive. Besides the strange behavior, something weird that has been pointed out is how the elevator doors never closed. Although the video was only two and a half minutes long, it is very upsetting to watch. Several theories brewed in the comments section of the video, and one theory of her odd behavior is that she was playing a well-known Korean elevator game, where if someone presses elevator buttons in a certain pattern, it will open a portal to another dimension. Another theory is that she was trying to escape from someone who was following her. This would explain why she backed into the corner and why she was sticking her head out looking left to right. The third theory that evolved was that she had taken some kind of party drug, like ecstasy, and she was high. When the fact that Elisa had bipolar disorder became present to the public, people began to believe that she was experiencing some kind of mental breakdown. Lastly, people thought that Elisa may have been tormented by ghosts or even possessed by someone who had died at the hotel previously. While Elisa was still missing, guests at the Cecil Hotel were starting to complain that the water pressure in their rooms was very low. They also said that the water had an unusual taste and was black in color. 
In order to investigate these complaints, a hotel maintenance worker named Santiago Lopez went up to the roof to check out the water tanks. On the morning of February 19, 2013, Lopez discovered Elisa Lamb's dead body floating naked in one of the tanks after noticing that the hatch door was open. The tank provided water to various hotel rooms, the hotel kitchen, and even the coffee shop. If that doesn't make you sick to your stomach, then I honestly don't know what will. People literally bathed in and drank this water. But anyways, back to the case. Perhaps one of the most frustrating parts about this case is how police went up to the roof to search, but for some reason they did not check inside of the tanks. In order to obtain Elisa's body, police had to drain the tank and cut it open since the hatch door was too small to fit the equipment. Floating next to her in the water was the clothes she was seen wearing in the elevator surveillance footage. Although Elisa's body had been floating in water for weeks, coroners were able to determine that there was no sign of sexual assault, physical trauma, or suicide. Besides an extremely small amount of alcohol and her prescription medications, no recreational drugs were found in her toxicology report. However, the report also detailed that the level of her prescription drugs was very low, which meant that she was either under-medicating or completely stopped taking them recently. Lots of people question how she even got on the roof in the first place. The Cecil Hotel locks their doors and stairways that access the roof and only the staff has passcodes or keys. Any attempt to force the doors open would have resulted in an alarm being triggered. The only way Elisa could have achieved getting on the roof by herself would have been through a fire escape, where her scent trailed off by a window leading to the escape. People who followed this case also questioned how she was able to get inside of the tank all by herself. The water tanks were on top of these cinder blocks that propped it up from the ground, and there were no ladder or stairs from the ground to the top of the cinder blocks. There was a ladder on the actual water tank, but they didn't understand how she was able to get on top of the cinder block. If the maintenance workers needed to get on top, they would have to use a separate ladder. Although her toxicology report came back clean of any recreational drugs, some believe that she did in fact take them, but that they broke down in her body during the time that she was in the tank. Most people believe that since she was either under-medicating or stopped the medication, that she had a psychotic episode, which led her to accidentally or purposely drown herself in the tank. As if this case couldn't get any stranger, Elisa's cell phone was never recovered from her body, the tank, or her room. It is believed that somebody stole the cell phone around the time of her death. Her Tumblr page was still being updated, but this could be explained by a feature that they have where owners of a page can queue posts to be posted in the future. However, some believe that she did not use this feature and that someone killed her, stole her phone, and then continued to use her Tumblr. As an ex-Tumblr user, I used to use this feature all the time, so I lean towards Elisa using it as well. Although, I don't really know where I stand on the missing phone. It's been years and it was never found. So maybe someone did kill her and take it. But in the same vein, it must have been very difficult to get on the roof alone. So it must have been near impossible to do it while transporting a dead body. Unless an employee with the key or the passcode killed her, but even then it would be very hard to carry her up a ladder into the tank. So as you can probably tell, I don't really know what to believe. But anyways, enough of my theories, let's get back to the case. In September of 2013, Elisa's parents filed a wrongful death case against the Cecil Hotel. 
They claimed that the hotel failed to, quote, inspect and seek out hazards in the hotel that presented an unreasonable risk of danger to both Elisa and other hotel guests. The Cecil Hotel responded by saying that there was no way for them to foresee the situation, and since how Elisa ended up getting into the tank remained a mystery, they were not liable for the incident. Ultimately, the case was dismissed in 2015. Although the case has been closed and ruled an accidental drowning, many people speculate on the circumstances of her death. Like, how did she get on the roof? How did she climb into the tank? How did she open the extremely heavy water tank door? And why was she naked? This case bred ideas for many projects in pop culture. One of the most notable was that it sparked the idea for American Horror Stories, I believe it was the fifth season, named Hotel. Also, a docuseries was released on Netflix called Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, which premiered in February of 2021. The reviews for this docuseries were not great at all, and I would have to agree with them. Many people found the docuseries to be a disrespect to Elisa and her family. The series is very dragged out, and you can tell it was just Netflix trying to pump out another true crime docuseries since they get so much attention. The situation they painted was very sinister, and it portrayed Elisa's mental illness in a scary way instead of in an awareness way. They had a platform to raise awareness for mental illnesses, and they completely dropped the ball, which is very frustrating to watch. If you want to learn more about the case, then maybe give the show a shot. This is simply my opinion, but if I were you, I would just watch some more YouTube videos, maybe check out some books. I would just avoid the show at all costs, but again, my opinion. I'm going to start doing a little section at the end of my videos with my personal feelings and thoughts on the case that I'm discussing. So, what do I think happened to Elisa? Like I mentioned before, I don't think it's very plausible for someone to have killed her and carried her body onto the roof. Her behavior in the elevator reads to me like a psychotic episode, especially with the roommates of Elisa complaining about her odd behavior and the fact that she may have stopped taking her medication. I really think that this is a tragic case, and I feel so deeply for Elisa and her family. Every time I see that elevator video, I just see someone who's struggling, but unfortunately nobody saw the warning signs. Before I do my sign-off, I just want to share some resources with you guys in case you or someone you know is struggling with mental illness or suicidal thoughts. I will link the Suicide Prevention Lifeline website down below where you can learn more information. You can also call the hotline at one 800 273-8255. Please, please, please always prioritize your mental and physical health and take care of yourselves. But that's going to do it for me on this case and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please like and subscribe and leave your thoughts and feelings in the comments down below. I love to read your comments. I love everyone's opinion and I respect everyone's opinion and I want you guys to respect everyone's opinion. This is a safe space for anyone who may stumble upon my channel. And as always, stay safe out there because you never know who you can trust.